It's the dictionary. Welcome to the dictionary. My name, my name is Spencer. Spencer James Parks, if you want to be formal about it. Hello, 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 and welcome to the dictionary, the podcast where I am reading the dictionary and uh, explaining it, talking about it, uh, telling, telling stories, telling jokes, singing songs, being silly, because the dictionary is meant to be silly. That's what I think. Um, I am recording this on November 14th at 7.04 a.m. And we have, there's only four words in today's episode because two of them are huge. Two of them are huge. Okay, the first word is enology. E-N-O-L-O-G-Y. You can also spell it. You can put it, you can put an O at the very beginning and I believe it is spill, spill, still pronounced enology. Uh, the O comes into play with the uh, with the etymology. So this word enology is a noun from 1814, and it is a science that deals with wine and wine making. And I'm going to do a little search uh, because Allie Ward has. The podcast called Ologies, and I don't know, I don't know if there's ever been, uh, been a wine episode, Enology. Uh, let's see, I'm searching for wine on her website, and I nothing's coming up. Nope. So I think she's got to do a wine episode. Um, let's see, Enological is an adjective. Enologist. That is a noun, so that's probably, I mean, that could be so many things. That could be somebody making wine, uh, drinking wine, talking about wine, studying wine, all of those things. That's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're doing the science about wine and making it. And it's this is one of the most fascinating sciences. I mean, you know, you got your chemistry, you got your physics, you got your biology, but the science of wine is amazing. Same with like beer and cider and all those things. It all goes over my head. But I've done quite a few wine tastings in my day. And we like to talk to the person, especially if they're like a winemaker or working at a winery. They know about the process of it. And so we've we've learned we've learned a lot of little nuggets about winemaking. I have forgotten most of it, but it is fascinating what goes into the making of wine and then what people taste and how foods affect the taste and vice versa. And, you know, my my uh, palate, my tasting palate and my nose palate are not very good, but I can appreciate it. I can appreciate what goes into it. Um, and I, I honestly, I don't really care for wine. I'll drink it a little bit here and there. I like the sweeter ones opposed to the, the drier ones. But, you know, I'm at a tasting. I'm going to try it all. I want to see. I want to see what they're like. Now, I couldn't tell you, you know, uh, if somebody gives me, like, a red wine and is like, what what kind of wine is this? I couldn't tell you Cabernet, Zinfandel, Merlot. I don't know. I mean, they. I know that they do, a lot of them do taste noticeably different, but I don't have enough experience with them to tell you. So 
you shouldn't be coming to me for any enological information. Um, but, you know, I, I like to taste it every now and then and enjoy it and talk about it. Um, so, so that's enology. Why is it pronounced and spelled enology? It is from the Greek word oinos, O-I-N-O-S, which means wine. That's it. That's And there's more at the word wine. We got to wait until the W's hundreds of pages from now. Um, we'll talk more about wine then. But in the meantime, you've got the word enology. Uh, I think I remember in was it in Chicago there was a place called either Enology or something with an O E N in there. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's Enology. I don't. I should have a wine with me at seven o eight in the morning. Uh, okay, the sound effect today is going to be. Because the next word is enormity. And then we're going to have another related word after that one. Enormity, noun from the 15th century. We've got a number of definitions. And then we have a big old usage section um, and enormous usage section. So number one for enormity, an outrageous, improper, vicious, or immoral act. As in, the enormities of state power. Uh, that is a quote from Susan Sontag. So the enormities of state power. She's saying that the state has a lot of power and it is outrageous, improper, vicious, or immoral. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, you know, personally, my personal feelings are that the states that are putting all of these abortion ban laws into place, uh, those... Those would definitely be enormities to me and to a whole lot of other people. Um, but the, the enormity of state power, yeah, uh, lots of things can be enormities and when you're talking about it that way. Um, the next one, oh, there's another example. Other enormities, too juvenile to mention. I'm sorry, they're way too juvenile. Those fart jokes are too juvenile. We won't mention the fart jokes we we can't talk about the fart jokes here on this podcast because they are enormities too juvenile to mention. Uh, that is a quote from Richard Friedman uh, or Friedman. So so uh, these things these things that are too juvenile to mention are outrageous, improper, vicious, or immoral. Probably leaning more towards uh, improper in that context. Okay, number two, the quality or state of being immoderate, monstrous, or outrageous, especially great wickedness. Wow, there is a lot, there's a lot of connotations, a lot of feelings behind this word. Uh, the example is the enormities of the crimes committed during the Third Reich. That is a quote from G.A. Craig. The enormities of the crimes committed during the Third Reich. Well, we're talking about uh, Nazism, uh, World War II, uh, you know, the 30s through the 40s, I guess, maybe even before that. The killing of millions of people. I'm not even going to simplify that to one group of people because there were a whole lots of people, whole lots of groups of people who were killed. 
And uh, so, yes, those would be enormities because there was a great wickedness, um, a moderate, monstrous, monstrous. Yeah, that's another good word to describe enormities. Number three, the quality or state of being huge. The synonym is immensity. So immense, it's got a lot of immensity, it's, it's enormity. As in the inconceivable enormities of the universe, or maybe it would be singular in that context. The inconceivable enormity of the universe. It's just huge. We can't even, I have to close my eyes, we can't even comprehend how, how much enormity the universe is. Could we describe the universe as enormous? That's our next word. Hold on to that. We're not there yet. The enormity, the inconceivable enormity of the universe. Inconceivable! Number four, a quality of momentous importance or impact, as in the enormity of the decision. That decision was very important. Uh, momentous importance. It's going to have a big old impact on the universe. Something this podcast will have such a huge, um, enormous, I, I lost my track there. I was going to make something funny, but I didn't. Um, so yes, enormity is a noun and our next word is going to be an adjective. So that's kind of how, how you can use those different forms of the word in different ways. Uh, we now need to talk about the usage for enormity because there's a lot of it. Uh, okay, Woo-hoo, get ready. Enormity, some people insist, is improperly used to denote large size. Oh, interesting. What? They insist on, what is this word? Enormousness. They insist on enormousness for this meaning and would limit enormity to the meaning great wickedness. I put in quotes. Those who urge such a limitation may not recognize the subtlety with which enormity is actually used. It regularly denotes a considerable departure from enormity. No, sorry, I skipped a line. It regularly denotes a considerable departure from the expected or normal. Excuse the burp there. Oh man, I had the hiccups last night. They wouldn't go away, and then finally they went away, and then they came back right before I went to bed, and it took me such a long time to go to sleep. Okay, we're not here to talk about hiccups. We're going to reread that sentence for a third time, and then we're going to move on. It regularly denotes a considerable departure from the expected or normal, as in, they awakened, they sat up, and then the enormity of their situation burst upon them. How did the fire start? That is a quote. Uh, that whole quote is from John Steinbeck. Uh, so they were in an in, the, there was they, they there was a fire, and that was they were in the. I never know how to use the word in context. They had some enormity in their situation, which was great wickedness. Um, considerable departure from the expected. Yeah, it's different from what's normal or what's expected. It's not. It's a new thing. When used to denote large size, either literal or figurative, 
it usually suggests something so large as to seem overwhelming, as in, no intermediate zone of study, either the enormity of the desert or the sight of a tiny flower. And that is from Paul Thoreau. So the enormity of the desert, it's huge. It goes on forever. You can't see the edge of it. It's enormous. Also is in, the enormity of the task of teachers is slum in slum schools. That is a quote from J.B. Conant. So the enormity of the task of teachers in slum schools. They have a huge task ahead of them in schools that, well, in this context, they're saying they're in the slums. They don't have a lot of money, so they can't afford maybe good tools, good books, good accessibility to things. So the teachers have an enormous job ahead of them. Um, and it may even be used to suggest both great size and deviation from morality. As in, the enormity of existing stockpiles of atomic weapons. And that is a quote from New Republic, some sort of uh, book journal magazine thing. Um, yes, dealing with the, the atomic weapons uh, the stockpiles because they're radioactive, uh, that's, a, that's an enormous issue that has some moral things behind it. Uh, it can also emphasize the momentousness of what has happened, as in the somber enormity of the Russian Revolution. That is a quote from George Steiner. Uh, so it can also emphasize the momentous of what has happened, the momentousness of what has happened, like the Russian Revolution, or of its consequences, as in perceived as no one in the family could the enormity of the misfortune. That is a quote worded weirdly to my brain uh, by E.L. Doctorow. So what did E.L. say? Perceived as no one in the family could, the enormity of the misfortune. So the enormity of the, for this mis the misfortune, these were the consequences of what happened, um, and no one in the family could perceive that situation. Something like that. Uh, so, yeah, that's the usage information for the word enormity. Uh, some people are okay with dis at the word describing something huge, like this podcast will have an enormity of episodes, enormity of content, enormity of minutes. Um, but other people like to say that, no, this word needs to be specifically focused on bad things, wickedness. Uh, the Holocaust, for instance, um, other things like that. Well, now let's move on to the next related word. It's the word enormous adjective from 1531. Um, so that's after the word enormity. Uh, which was the 15th century, which is the 1400s. This was 1531. That's kind of interesting to me. Um, so we're starting with 1A, which is archaic, and the synonyms are abnormal and inordinate. Abnormal, inordinate became also just enormous. 1B, exceedingly wicked. This synonym is shocking, as in an enormous 
sin. That's a very bad sin. It's wicked. According to some people, they think that uh, sins are wicked. Uh, depends on who you're talking to, what sin we're talking about. It's so shocking. Um, so that's interesting. Number one is kind of all about uh, this this wickedness, differentness, bad stuff. Um, but number two, marked by extraordinarily great size, number, or degree, especially exceeding usual bounds or accepted notions. And yes, I believe the number of episodes, at the very least, the number of episodes that this podcast has and will have is enormous. Enormously is an adverb, and enormousness is a noun. And now we are going to talk about some synonym information for enormous. Enormous, immense, huge, vast, gigantic, colossal, and mammoth mean exceedingly large. That's it. That's what they mean. But, 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 but specifically, enormous and immense both suggest an exceeding of all ordinary bounds in size or amount or degree. But enormous often adds an implication of abnormality or monstrousness, as in an enormous expense. Oh, that, that bill at that bar was so enormous because we bought all these bottles and we've spent so much money. Also as in an immense shopping mall. Uh, the Mall of America would be an immense shopping mall because it's just too, too big. I've never been there. Huge commonly suggests an immensity of bulk or amount, as in incurred a huge debt. None of us should be incurring a huge debt. Uh, but countries, many countries, have a huge debt. Vast usually suggests immensity of extent, as in the vast Roman step is steppes is that how you say that word steppes s t e p p e s so it's it's vast like a desert a desert would be vast cuz it's uh, it's big in expanse and extent gigantic uh the name of a documentary about they might be giants gigantic stresses the contrast with the size of others of the same kind as in a gigantic sports stadium what it stresses the contrast with the size what, what, gi i didn't realize i never would have thought that gigantic is specifically about comparing two things that are the same but one of them is big and the other one is not i guess hmm okay okay i accept that i guess colossal applies especially to a human creation of stupendous or incredible dimensions, as in a colossal statue of Lincoln. Yes, the uh, that statue of Lincoln in Washington, D.C. is colossal. It's magnificent. It's huge. It's vast, immense, enormous. Why does it have to be so big? I don't know, but it is colossal. Uh, the other the other thing that I, of course, thought of for this word would be the Colosseum. 
in Rome, I think, uh, because it's it's human made, it's gigantic, it's very large, and um, and it's literally called the Colosseum. I think our word comes from that. Col- the, the word Colosseum, it's Colossus. Am I remembering that correctly? I think. Okay, mammoth, the last synonym, suggests both hugeness and ponderousness of bulk, as in a mammoth boulder. Uh, that's that's a big old boulder over there because it's huge and ponderous. Okay, well, uh, that was that. Uh, the let's talk about the etymology. It's from the Latin word enormous with an I-S, which is from the E or X prefix, which means out of, and then also norma, N-O-R-M-A, which means rule. Also, I think you can maybe put in the word normal. It may be rule, normal, kind of standard, average. Um, And so this is out of the rule, out of the normal, abnormal. That's where that comes from. Uh, so it's like, oh, it's so big, it's different than the normal things. This this banana is, uh, I always like to grab my fruit in the morning. Um, this is a normal banana, but if it was really big up close, uh, it would be an enormous banana. I don't know if I've ever seen an enormous banana. Enormous banana. Um, let's see. Anything else to say about enormous? I don't know. I thought of something, but I lost it. Um, oh, oh, the only thing I wanted to say was I have another synonym, um, and I have now forgotten it. I combined one, one time, I combined the words gigantic and, what was the other one? Humongous. Now, humongous was not in this list of synonyms, and that's kind of sad. Um, humongous and gigantic, I think I combined into like ginomongous. I think that's another word that we need. Ginomongous. Okay, we are going to now move on to the last word. It is the word enosis. E-N-O-S-I-S. Um, I was looking at the previous words. I don't think it's related to any of those. So we got the word enosis, noun, from 1928. A movement to secure the political union of Greece and Cyprus. This is almost 100 years old, and it is a very specific thing, maybe at a very specific time, and um, I don't know if this is something like, what's the usage of enosis these days? Are we still trying to... Uh, to secure the political union of Greece and Cyprus? I don't know what the politics are over there. Maybe we should put a link in the show notes so we can learn more about that. From 1928, and also, what's that situation now? Are they unified? I don't even know. I don't know. The word enosis is, uh, let's see, it's from Greek, obviously. Henosis, which means union. From henun, which means to unite. And uh, that's from the word hen or heis, which means one. And there's more at the word same. So that's all about union, things becoming one, combining into one thing. Enosis. So that word makes a whole lot of sense. Let's reread the words real quick 
is not a lot of words, so it's going to be fast. And then we're going to pick a word of the episode. Spencer picking words. Spencer's picking a word of the episode. We got enology, enormity, enormous, and enosis. Hmm. I kind of think I just want to pick enology as the word of the episode. Um, enology is technically the right way to say it. Uh, be just because I think it's just a fascinating science. And the fact that people figured out how to make these things in the first place and the thought process of what goes in to the grapes and all that, like, here's one thing that you may or may not know. I guess what they want to do when they're growing the grapes is they want to keep them as close to death as possible without actually dying. And maybe not all winemakers do this, but this was one particular wine person told us this because what happens is that when a plant thinks it's going to die, it puts all of its energy into its fruiting body, which is the thing that um, will 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 help it to make a new generation. It, you know, the, the seeds, the fruit, whatever it is, it's like, oh, I, this got it. This has to be the best thing possible so I can make a new generation because I'm going to die, but my kids can live on. And so it puts all of its energy into those grapes to make them as good as possible, whatever that means to the plant. And that's how they get good grapes, I guess. And, the, and then, of course, the, the whole other layer of the, the grape making, uh, the wine making, is the climate. Uh, what do they call They call it the terroir, uh, the climate and the, the winds and the weather and the soil. What type of soil is it? And all those things. It's, it's just a fascinating science. It really is. And I will never study it more than I do now, than I have already, but it's just fascinating. Enology is fascinating. There's a lot of stuff that goes into enology. That's a silly song from Spencer. Uh, okay, the dictionary is now over. And now we are getting into the movie part of the show. Uh, let's see. I guess the next movie after uh, The Wrath... I have a very weird little book I went to from 101 Dalmatians 2 to The Wrath of Becky, which is also a sequel, and now to 102 Dalmatians, which is the sequel to the live action 101 Dalmatians, not the sequel to the animated one. Um, and uh, I don't think there were 102 Dalmatians. I think there were more. Than a, although, do we even ever see all the Dalmatians? I can't remember. Um, but uh, but uh, but yes, there's some new new fun characters. I love the parrot. I think Eric Idle played the parrot who thinks he's a dog. And again, just like the first live action one, I don't think other than the parrot, I don't think any of the animals talk. They didn't do that. They went just they're animals. That's all they do. But they're very well trained, and I hope that they were treated well on set. That's my hope. Uh, yeah, they're just fun, fun, silly kids movies, if you like that sort of thing. Uh, okay, that's the end of the episode. Thank you for watching and listening. Uh, please subscribe to my YouTube channel and watch all the videos. This has been Spencer Dispensing Information. Goodbye.